Liz Sumner, and this is I Always Wanted To, the podcast where I interview people who are doing things that others long to do. What have you always wanted to try? Today I'm joined by two award-winning bed and breakfast hosts, and I have had the good fortune to experience the hospitality of both of them. Five-star superhost Kathy Hansen of Hansen Woodland Farm in Eastern Washington State, and Louise Hashes of Casale Margarita in Le Marche, Italy. Uh, she's winner of guest review awards from Booking.com for 2016 and 2017. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you both for joining me to talk about your experiences. I wanted to have you on because over the years, I've heard a number of people mention that they always wanted to run a bed and breakfast. So I'm curious how you got started. Kathy, let's begin with you. Okay, well, I was fortunate enough to live on a property that had two homes. And I had always thought of turning the second home into an Airbnb but it was a uh, modular home, so it was gonna take quite a while to get it completely Airbnb worthy. You know, I, I worked on it over a period of about five years, trying to remodel it and getting it in shape. And then uh, suddenly my husband completely blindsided me by telling me he was divorcing me and moving out of state. So, uh, you know, I immediately, thought of an Airbnb business as a way to support myself. But then I had the dilemma of the fact that the modular home was still about a year away from being able to be listed and rented. So it was actually my now ex-husband, and I would like to think I would have come up with this myself, but he suggested, well, why don't you make the main home into the Airbnb? Because that's it's much newer it's much nicer it's in really good shape it's beautifully decorated so that you know that immediately sounded like a great idea and you know i was going through a very fearful period myself mm -hmm. because of you know suddenly being single after a 32-year marriage and uh so I just threw myself into getting the, the main home ready to list as an Airbnb property. And uh, the rest is history. <laughs> How long before you got your first guest? Well, I, I, I believe I started listing it in about September of 2016, but I wasn't going to actually take bookings until mid-November because I knew that was when it would be ready. So my, my opening day was planned to be November 13th. And when I got my first booking, it started November 14th. So I was you know, booked from almost day one. So that wow. was a good thing. Wow. But Louise, tell me how you got started. Well, I think I, I, think I really knew I always wanted to do something like a B&B. Initially, I had dreams of being on the lakes and perhaps having a little hotel, but of course, that's a dream. Very expensive to buy on the lakes. 
um, a hotel. So after we'd renovated this old farmhouse, I think it was natural progression for me to invite people into the home. My job had involved a kind of interview of my clients, if I can put it like that. It was, I was kind of front girl to a company where I would have to take a brief and follow clients through to a successful end to a project. And when I left work, I realized I actually do like talking to people. I like interviewing people. I like finding out about them and their experiences. And I also love cooking. I also had come from a big family where we'd all sit round a table. And I think those three things joined together to make it quite a natural result to go forward and invite people into a home and make it a business. So I guess that's how I got started. And, and what about you? When, when did you get your first guest after you had decided to, to, to run the, the, the project? Um, it was quite quickly, really, after we decided. We started to market the property. We got a website up and running. Um, we chose three sites to market the property through, and almost immediately um, we had bookings. So I was thrown in the deep end. It's, it's a learning curve like all new things and uh, an interesting journey. And I've had so much fun. It's been really enjoyable. It is not for the faint-hearted, and it is very tiring, but it's good fun. I want to ask you both about uh, about the ups and downs. But first, I, I'm really curious because both of you are in areas that are not. I mean, they are stunningly beautiful, but they are not big tourist destinations, at least as far as I know. How how do you how do you work with that, Kathy? Well. Quite honestly, when I started to get a lot of bookings and to be really successful, I was absolutely stunned because, you know, I live in a town with a, on the outskirts of a town with a population of 1600. And I don't really think very many people have ever heard of Kettle Falls, Washington. (laughs) And... Uh, you know, I I was just really, really amazed. And I I don't really think my location has ever been an impediment. I would say that currently I'm going through a little bit of a slowdown, but I have, you know, I'm a member of a number of Facebook and other social media groups for Airbnb hosts. And it seems like a lot of us are experiencing a slowdown right now. And I don't know if that's gas prices or you know some change in the airbnb algorithm or what but Hmm. i i would not say my location has been a a deterrent at all and you know people come here for a lot of different reasons so yeah how how about you louise what um what have what's been your experience about whether or not you're in a, a a heavy tourist destination Well, we're not in a heavy tourist destination, but I think we attract people who know what 
there is to find here and we are on the Piero della Francesca trail here from all the way from Rimini on the Adriatic coast up into the hills by Urbino and back down creating a circle so I get quite a few people historians of art historians mainly who want to come and find the frescoes and do tours we're not that far from Urbino so we do get a lot of people coming for the events there. Pergola now has an animation fair, they have a, a truffle fair, they have a wine festival, a chocolate festival. And so there's a lot now going on in the area. And I do collect people from the Netherlands, from Belgium, from Germany in the main, who come to enjoy those festivals or festas, as we call them here. <laughs> it doesn't put people off who know that they're looking for the real Italy, the wild Italy, and the unspoiled Italy, I mm -hmm. guess. So I happen to know that both of you do a lot of special touches and go to a lot of, of extra trouble to to give your guests an exceptional experience uh, tell me about some of the details that you you guys um, put into your properties and have you had any surprising reactions to them kathy why don't we start with you yeah i i'm just really obsessed with customer service guest service uh, you know i think that's just the whole key to everything to delight your guests and i think it's also a really good way to deal with any fears you might have about starting a business because when you're really focused on delighting your guests you don't have time to be fearful brilliantly said my um some of my special touches i i always put a seasonal wreath by my door to make it seem welcoming i have uh, when people come into my main living area, they there's a little card that welcomes them. I always try to have some sort of fresh flowers or potted plant to welcome them. And I always leave a bottle of wine for every group. Uh, I'm not strictly a bed and breakfast like Louise. I don't cook, but I do provide a, a few basic breakfast items that I leave in the refrigerator, like bread and bagels and farm fresh eggs from my hens and orange juice and that sort of thing. And I think that the, the home also benefits from having been a family home because, you know, when I moved out and moved into the modular home, I left pretty much everything. I mean, I took all my personal items out, but it still has books and CDs and DVDs and uh, TV sets and you know, puzzles and games. And uh, I also have a fire pit and I have a fire pit fun kit that has s'mores makings and special powder to throw into the fire to make it turn colors. So. Oh, cool. <laughs> Louise, do you know what s'mores are? Is that a worldwide thing? No, I don't know what they are. Kathy, please explain. They are a, a little treat that you make over a campfire where you melt a marshmallow, put it on a fork and melt it over the fire, and then you take a graham cracker and put uh, some squares of chocolate on it and then put the 
melted marshmallow on top and then that kind of melts the chocolate and then you put another graham cracker on top and it's just a little tasty delicious sandwich it's, it, it really is it's uh is it is it a girl scout thing that's where i know it, learn of it but. um it could very well be that's where i know it from as well <laughs> please continue i didn't mean to interrupt um, yeah i mean that it's just i'm always thinking of things i can add to the house and 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 ways that i can delight guests any 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 um odd reactions or reactions you didn't expect from from uh, any of your special touches? Um, I've, I've had a few monetary tips uh. Uh, <laughs> one group left me fifty dollars <laughs> wow you know i've mm. had a, the, a couple other groups leave small little token items and oh, nice. but they're always very grateful and they you know they often write me notes and so forth Louise, how about you? What do you add uh, as special touches or, and how do guests respond? I think I'm guided by the surroundings here. My love of the surroundings, my love of the wildlife, the flowers, the plants. So when my guests arrive, after we've enjoyed together a welcome drink and I put out specialities that are made in a more artigiani kind of way. The, the artisans around here have little kitchens and little businesses where they might make a little biscuit with rosemary, wine, olive oil, local flour, and they turn them into delicious little crispy biscuits that you drink with wine. So they're quite unusual. So I try and choose things that are very, very typical of the region that people from outside the region wouldn't necessarily have ever tried. Mm -hmm. I put out um, our local olives and obviously the local wines. Um, but in their room, I try to, I go around the garden and I'll choose the roses or the, the rosemary or plants that are in season right now and put those in the room as well. But I generally try throughout the stay, give my guests tastes of really different things. We have such a wonderful selection of foodstuffs here. So if I can engage with someone on that level, I give them little tasters with their drinks in the evening. If I see they're on the terrace, I might take them a tray of drinks with something different to try with the drinks. Um, if it's rainy, I bring them inside and might make them English tea or give them something that's a little bit warming. I just try and go with them according to the weather and according to their tastes and their requirements. And if they're art historians, then I get to learn back from them when I can sit down and enjoy drinks with them. And um, yes. I just go along with it and see what feels right at the time, I guess. Let me continue with you, Louise. I, I know that, that you have had some experiences where guests help you with uh, yard work. Can you say a little <laughs> about that? <laughs> well, yes, not so much um, yard work or gardening, but we have a vineyard and that's quite a novelty for some of the guests and they do enjoy coming up and in fact, I've just had some guests from, they are 
Californians, but they were currently living in Arizona. And um, I was stuck because we were very late in the season pruning because of weather and not sufficient people able to come at the, right, at the time. And I've been busy. And so they just jumped in and said, well, we know a little bit about the wines and how to prune. So I said, oh, come on then, we'll all join in. And they helped me on the vineyard. And I found that my pruning shears and my twine was often missing and I knew where they got <laughs> they enjoyed it at about six o'clock when the sun was just going down a little bit uh, to go up there for a relaxing hour um, helping on the vineyard so it's been wonderful that's great Kathy do you ever get people um, helping around the farm um, not really, but I do find that if I ask a special favor, they're very accommodating. Uh, I had a guy last summer who stayed for six weeks, and I asked him to water my garden every day, and he was very happy to do that. And uh, just yesterday, I had to ask the current guests if they could vacate the house for about an hour because I had an appraiser coming because uh, I'm applying for a reverse mortgage and they were happy to do that so um, cool. and at, at sometime I might want to get into farm stays where the point is to uh, for the people the guests to interact with the animals and and do some of the farm work so that, that's just one of the expansion areas that I'm considering getting into. That would be good. Yeah. <clears throat> Has there ever a time when you say, oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? I would say no. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there are definitely challenges, but it's just a joy for me. It's really, uh, it really just stimulates me and gets my juices flowing and, uh, it's it's just really a pleasure. How about you, Louise? Sometimes I'm daunted when I've got a big group of people coming to stay for a long spell. At first, I think there are a little bit of nerves and apprehensions, and you can't give attention as you would like to a, a large group as you would to a smaller group. So it takes a little bit more time. You've got to engage with each of them individually and get to know them. And I think sometimes I'm slightly daunted by that initial getting to know each of the personalities when there are say six of them, but um, it soon settles down by breakfast. You know, I've, I've got to know the characters a little bit more after a drink in the evening the night before and some snacks and some chats. So um, yes, like, like all work, there are issues and uh, challenges where you think, oh gosh, I may have bitten off too much, but they soon go away. If you know that you enjoy it and that if you just engage with people and impart the infection, the infectious uh, thrill I have for being here, I, I, I hope that they settle down and uh, feel comfortable as well. And that helps me. So what, what do you wish that somebody had told you before you got started? If, if you had known, what, what would have helped you to know before you began, Kathy? 
I think that I probably just would have wanted to know more, uh, get more tips about how to clean really well and clean quickly. I do my own cleaning. I don't hire a cleaning service. And sometimes that's really challenging if I have a rapid turnover of guests checking out at, you know, by 11 in the morning and new guests coming around three in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it can be very challenging to clean in four hours, especially if the previous guests used a lot of beds. <laughs> yeah, my uh, house sleeps eight, so uh, and that's so that's come down to five beds. And so if I have to make all five beds and launder all those linens, it can be a real challenge. And I've I picked up a lot of tips from you know some of these social media groups that I've been in. So I I guess I wish that I'd known in the beginning a lot of those things and a lot of the standards of cleanliness. I mean, some some Airbnb hosts, I think, are, are really over the top about cleanliness, like um, ironing sheets and pillowcases and uh, laundering every single piece of linen after every stay, you know, including duvets and mm. breads and so forth. And I don't get quite that. Uh, intense and yet you are a super host so yeah (laughs) louise how about you what what do you wish somebody had told you before you started this venture i think i've had wonderful guests for the last three years but i think you do have to have a few ground rules that are subtly placed somewhere in the room so that areas of the house should be defined as communal areas and there should be areas that are private areas. It's wonderful when you have friendly people to stay, but sometimes that friendliness can spill over a little bit into your own private world, which I have found on occasions, people, you know, straying into the kitchen and finding themselves (laughs) things to cook and things to use in the kitchen which really isn't part of the deal Mm -hmm. um it i i i now have a very it's not necessarily discreet but a very uh i hope graciously written little list of rules that i keep in the room somewhere a little not not too in their face but i i keep it somewhere on a side table, a little list of uh, do's and don'ts and things about the septic tank and the, the, the water, the fact that we get water shortages. So I hide some of those more <laughs> difficult to explain rules of the house in amongst the, the obvious. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I, I wish somebody had told me to do that from the very beginning, but mm. Hey, it's okay now. <laughs> I've managed to do that. And what, if any, resources would you recommend to somebody who has always wanted to, to start a B&B? Kathy. 
Well, there are uh, a huge number of Kindle books that you can download pretty inexpensively. And I definitely read several of them before I got started. Any of these Facebook groups are, are really, really helpful. I mean, the hosts ask each other questions all the time and uh, help troubleshoot and problem solve for each other. And it's, it really is a great resource. I've, I've learned a huge amount and gotten a lot of tips for just easy and expensive ways to delight my guests. Mm. So, you know, I recommend joining as many of those groups as possible. Are there, is there a, um, a name of one or in, in particular, should they just search for uh, uh, Airbnb groups? Or? The, the one that I like the most and get the most out of is called Short-Term Rental University. And short-term rental is kind of a, an umbrella term for businesses that are like Airbnb. Mm -hmm. Louise, how about you? Any resources that you have to recommend to somebody who's thinking about it? Not really. Um, the, the thing that I've always found has helped me is to really research the competition because you really need to know your place in the market. Otherwise, you might be underselling yourself, overselling yourself or not pitching at the right uh, position. So I've, I've always taken a keen interest in what my competitors do, the pricing, what they offer, and actually just by going onto their sites, you will see what they offer. And that's been quite a, a good marker for me. Excellent. Anything that you would like to say in conclusion about your experiences as hosts? Kathy. Uh, I've just really loved it. I recommend it. You know, not everybody has two houses that they can work with. But um, lots of Airbnb hosts just rent out rooms or parts of their own homes. So uh, it's certainly doable with one house. And, uh, you know, it's just a relatively easy business to get into. Louise, anything in conclusion? If you like people and you like finding out what their impressions of where you live are and finding out things you didn't know about your region and enjoy sitting in the evening chatting to people with interesting lives and getting up in the morning and being greeted by people that are jolly and enthusiastic then go ahead and do it because it's good fun wonderful tell us how people can find you I'm going to put links in the in the podcast notes, but what's the, the best way to, to locate you, Kathy? Um, probably to go to uh, hansonwoodlandfarm.com, and that has links to my Airbnb listing as well as the other platforms that I list on. Great. And, and Louise, how can people find you? They can find me at www.casalemargarita.co.uk or they can find me on Instagram at Italian Country Retreat. I thank you so much. Um, my thanks to Kathy Hansen and Louise Hashes for being my guests. 
I'm Liz Sumner, reminding you to be bold. And thanks for listening. Thank you.